Hello, I'm Jason Solomons, and welcome to a very special edition of the podcast we're calling, for one week only, Seen Any Bond Films Lately? Why would I betray you? We all have our secrets. We just didn't get to yours yet. Bond 25 is here and on Seen Any Good Films Lately, we are going to mark No Time to Die because I've seen it. I was at the premiere at London's Royal Albert Hall on Tuesday night, September the 28th, 2021. And what a great night it was. I'm not going to give you a full review here. I could go on for hours and you could read my thoughts at length on it on jasonsolomons.com. But I will just say that this is a terrific performance from Daniel Craig as James Bond, probably the best ever acting in a Bond movie. If you take into account the stunts and the action and the driving and the shooting and the killing and all the emoting he does on this film, it's probably one of the finest performances ever given in the entire action genre. So let me start the ball rolling here. Give Daniel Craig an Oscar. But why not? He's done five of these now. and He's rebooted the franchise. He's modernised it, made it fit for the new century, hauled it into unprecedented box office territory, seen off a global pandemic, saved cinema. And now, in No Time to Die, he's taken the character and the plot to places it's never been before. In 27 other outings, in nearly 60 years of being on the world's screens. And I think that's an awesome cinematic achievement. And I think it should be duly awarded. Doing this stuff is hard. I know they don't give Oscars for action films, blockbusters. But this is testing acting to the limits. Indeed, it's redefining what the modern movie star needs in his tank. And here, in No Time to Die, Daniel Craig delivers a masterclass. Shall we cut to the chase? I'm here as a professional courtesy. Well, you're not very courteous, are you? You've broken my car. It's Commander Bond. You know that. Double O. Two years. Very young. High achiever. Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No, can't say I had. And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much. You had to say that. Look, this all seems like heaven. This little bubble or whatever. (laughs) But it's so obvious you're a man who only has time to kill. Nothing to live for. So good is he here that I was actually more thrilled watching his face crunch through the emotional gears than I was in watching the film's twists and skids and plot spins. In many ways, Daniel Craig outshines the film. He outshines the creaking old tropes of the traditional Bond movie. Although, let's be honest, those are what we love still, and that's why we go to the cinema and what we cheer and what the premiere night crowd whooped at. Literally every tuxedo change, every bike stunt, that bit at the beginning when he comes on in the spotlight and shoots the gun, they cheered and they roared, the MGM lion they clapped, every pre-credit sequence and Bond song by Billie Eilish, every gadget that appeared on screen, it all got a whoop of recognition because people were happy to be back in that Bond world. Bond is cinema. It's why we go to the movies. And it reminds you there's still nothing finer in the movies than seeing a silver Aston Martin DB5 speeding round a hairpin bend on an Italian hillside. There just isn't. But on this podcast, you don't need me to remind you of what's great in Bond. I've got three experts in the matter, and I'll be asking them the seen any good films lately questions. 
and we're going to call it Seen Any Bond Films Lately. They are Barbara Broccoli and her half-brother Michael G. Wilson, who've been producing these films since 1995, but have been basically involved all their lives. And Don Black, the composer and lyricist behind five Bond songs, from Diamonds Are Forever and Thunderball all the way up to The World Is Not Enough. And a five-time Oscar nominee himself, winning one for Born Free with John Barry who was the original Bond composer, of course. What a lineup! What screen royalty we have. So just let's get right into it as I get into my finest evening dress and say, hello, Barbara Broccoli. Hello, how are you, Jason? I'm great. It's lovely to see you. You like the outfit here? I do. Very impressive. Looks yeah, like you, you're you must get this all the time. Class. People are just always dressing up in, in unnecessary uh, evening dress for you at well, all we, times we, of the day. We get them all the time. We'll be looking for a new Bond, so... I, I figured, I didn't want to say anything, but, you know, I don't know if Bond's ever been a Jewish Bond. There was one, the spy who came in with a cold, there was the joke, was the old joke. <laughs> <laughs> now, Barbara, of all the waits between Bonds, this must have felt like the longest for you. How, how difficult has it been as the producer of this to pull the release of Bond and keep us all waiting throughout this, uh, this awful pandemic? Well, listen, there's no question that the pandemic has been dreadful for so many people. And, um, you know, the thing that was at the forefront of our minds was that we didn't want to open the film until it was safe for audiences to go to the cinema. And we're feeling like now it it, it appears as if things are stabilizing and uh, safer now. So we uh, we're very, very excited that people will finally get to see this movie. Was there ever a moment where you thought, let's just release it let's let's go to streaming let's get it out there people want to see bond they want to fight off the pandemic no we make these movies for the cinema audiences for for you know theatrical release so we were not uh, michael and i were determined not to go straight to streaming i think it's one of those films that's going to get everyone back to the cinema right you'll seem to have been tasked with saving cinema but i'm going to go with my kids i'm probably going to go with my with my dad because i've always been with two with my dad it's that it's that strong isn't it bond it's an intergenerational thing it is indeed i think uh, a lot of people will tell us exactly that they went first thing they've seen in the cinema they saw it with their dad with their family uh, some people even tell us they went on their first date with their wife to a James Bond film, and they remember it that way. So uh, there's many, plenty of memories uh, with uh, James Bond, especially in the British public. Uh, Don, wonderful to see you. Wonderful to see you looking so well uh, up there. Yeah. I, I understand. I know COVID brought Bond to a, a halt for a bit, but I, I understand that it, uh, it, that it kind of nearly did for you as well, I hear. Yeah, but it's over. I fully recovered. Raring to go and raring to see this new movie. Yes. I mean, when you wrote the lyrics to Diamonds Are Forever all those years ago, did you know that these songs and that this this movie franchise would last just as long as Diamonds? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of luck with songs because it's a well-known story that Mr. Saltzman, Cubby's partner, didn't like that song. And it was a, you know, it was a bit of a hurdle to get over. Didn't he but think the... it was pornographic, Don? Yeah, he did think it was pornographic because he said, how can you say things like touch it, stroke it and undress it? Anyway, John Barry, when he was, he said to Shirley Bassey, just just think of a diamond as a penis. And he said, uh, and that's the way to sing this song. And from that moment, she sang it with great conviction. <laughs> 
well, now I'm not going to be able to sing it myself when I do it in karaoke uh, with anything like the same uh, the same the same right. respect for it. A, a bit more, I, I should think. You know, a lot of people. This will be their first bond. That you know, it's been such a wait for some people. Uh, maybe there will be some kids. I always think this will be like maybe their first bond for them. What can they expect, Barbara? Well, I mean, I think this film delivers so much. Um, it uh, it has all the action, the excitement, the locations are stunning. Um, beautiful cinematography, great music. We have Hans Zimmer has done a score for the first time and and really does really honor John Barry, who Don was talking about earlier, who was the, the original Bond composer. And uh, it features a couple of John Barry's themes in it as well. But I think the thing for me is that it really is, it's the culmination of all the Daniel Craig films and it's the sort of epic conclusion. And uh, it has a huge emotional arc to it. After all the time and the anticipation, mm. I feel people will feel as, as if it was worth waiting for. Mm. Will it be sad to say goodbye to Daniel? I mean, you know, you, you worked so hard to get him in there. There was such a, you had to stick your neck out, I know, to get him. And I think he's been an extraordinary inheritor of the franchise and, and took the took it forward. Is there a sadness there at the end of a oh, collaboration? Mean, devastating. It, uh, the last night that he, he, when he filmed his final shot, we were all in pieces and, and he was very moved by it as well because, you know, we've all been together for 15, almost 16 years uh, making these films, five films, and uh, we're all very, very close. It's very, very sad to see his, his era end, but um, it's also a time of celebration and celebrating his achievement, you know, his, the, his portrayal of Bond really focuses so much on on service and sacrifice. And I think particularly now, after everything we've been through in the last 18 months, these are the things we need to be celebrating, you know, not just the, the fictional heroes, but also the real life heroes who have helped us get through this terrible 18 month period. You know, the people in the health service, people who've been doing everything they can to keep us going. So I think it it is a time of celebrating all the heroes that we have in our in our lives. Yeah, I think Bond brings out the hero in in everyone really. It kind of it taps into all our heroic possibilities. So I think yeah, that's a that's a very pertinent point. I'm going to do the quick fire quiz because everyone can play along here. So Barbara, what's your favorite Bond tune? Remember who's watching. <laughs> I have so many of them that that I love. I do love Diamonds Are Forever and not because it's pornographic. Um, <laughs> I also love Thunderball. And I wanted to ask you, Don, because um, I've always heard and I, I've never asked you in all the years I've known you. There was that story that Tom Jones fainted. He held the, the note so long that he sort of passed out. Is that true? That That is true. Um, he sang it once. He only it, it did it in the first take. And on the last note, he, they say fainted. It was more of a blood rush. He was very woozy and um, he couldn't do it again, but John Barry was very happy with the take he did.
I saw Tom recently and I said to him, are you still singing Thunderball? He said, yes, but I've lowered the key. <laughs> what were the other films you did, Don? Um, I, I did uh, The Man with a Golden Gun, yeah. Forever Thunderball. I did um, yeah, the, the end titles of Tomorrow Never Dies yeah. and The World Is Not Enough. You did The World Is Not Enough for you. That's right, with uh, Shirley Manson and Garbage. That's right. Yeah. And that was David Arnold, different composer to John Barry. Yeah. Who took on an, they took on an amazing job and did great with it. I don't know if you know, I've, you can see I've got a, a Dr. No French poster in the, in the background there, one of my treasured possessions. Many people have Bond posters around. Do, do you have one, Michael? Do you have Bond posters in your house? We got one or two around, you know. I think uh, we, uh, we have a little archive that, uh, of, of a lot of Bond things, and one of the things is posters. And um, the, the question is, do we have all the posters? That's the question and that uh, we have an archivist who seems to feel we've come close because they're different yeah. in every country right they have different well, titles you know in the old days they used to have artists drawing uh drawing the posters and doing illustrations which was fantastic for the various different countries and we've got some fabulous ones that are italian ones and french ones and japanese ones and they're they're all very very interesting and, and a little bit different mm. so yeah, we have a wonderful collection. What's your favorite Bond location that you've been on, Barbara? Well, I have to say the very first location I went on when I was a year old uh, on Dr. No was Jamaica. So I was determined for the 25th film, which is almost the 60th year of James Bond films. Uh, I wanted us to return to Jamaica. We felt that, you know, because all the books were written in in GoldenEye and Jamaica by Ian Fleming that, you know, we always feel as if Jamaica is Bond's spiritual home. So we managed to convince everyone that on this film, No Time to Die, we, we should have a location in Jamaica. And it was a magnificent place to make a film. And it looks so beautiful on the screen. I also love Italy because of my Italian heritage, you know, so we went, we were in Matera, which is one of the oldest uh cities in the world i think yeah, second yeah, oldest yeah. in the world yeah. and it is extraordinary beautiful place so we're we've been blessed we've had the most wonderful time going around the world making films in different countries with uh, amazing people don what was the first bond film you saw in the cinema i've seen them all so you know dr no and i love it and i haven't missed one do you, you know, remember where you saw Dr. No? Well, it would have been in Hackney, in East End, where I came from in Hackney, East End. But, you know, there's something about a Bond picture. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a different level. It's on its own. It, it's very hard to uh, go on about it. It's just a given. Yeah. A film, <laughs> you have to see it. It's a given, you know. And uh, I noticed a title, No Time to Die. You could also say no time to stop making them. There's no need to. We don't. We, no, we people don't. talk. Will it be the last bond? You read about these things, but it's got to go on and on, like Old Man River. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael, you, as I say, you've been in. You've been in quite a few of them in cameos. Are you in the? Are you in the new one? Will we be able to spot you? I'm uh, reverting back to one of my old standby actors in this one. So, uh, if, but don't blink; uh, you'll you'll see, mm -hmm. miss me quickly. But uh, 
I don another military general uniform, which is yeah. There's something I'd like you in a soldier's outfit. <laughs> yeah, he does, he's very partial to a uniform, Michael. Yeah, it's typecast. <laughs> and are you in any of them, Barbara? Did you ever get in any? He's in the Spectre, he's in the Spectre party. So when yeah. you see the Spectre party yeah. scene right at the very beginning, keep I, your eyes peeled and you'll see him. And what about so yourself? I, I don't like being on camera. I even don't like <laughs> seeing myself on this. So I've had them cover me up. I'm a behind-the-scenes person. I, I. Uh, but she was a parent once. My film. voice was in yeah. your eyes only when they had to. Uh, we were in the recording studio and they couldn't get the right sound for a parrot, and so you know they asked me to screech away and be a parrot, which so, I did. So that's my only yeah. appearance. Yeah, should every everything else fall through, we have uh, a job for Barbara. Right, I can be a parrot. Yes, well, you know, if it all goes wrong, but yeah, there's there, there's something there. What's your favorite Bond vehicle, Barbara? Well, I mean, I think you have to say the Aston Martin, don't you? I mean, it's uh, it is just the most beautiful thing. I'm not really a car person, but boy, is that a thing of beauty and. Uh, we had so much fun in this film because we brought back the DB5 and uh, we had them kitted out with all kinds of gadgets like, uh, you know, reminiscent of Goldfinger. So all the boys went to town on it and they put in all kinds of gadgets, whiz bang <laughs> things. It's uh, it's really a terrific sequence. Yeah. We have a, we have a still of down in uh, Metora, Metora, where they uh, have uh, 12, Aston Martin DB5s lined up, all the different stunt cars and all the different uh, specialty uh, uh, uses of these cars for the filming. Is there, a, is there a Bond film that you could say changed your life? I, Spy Who Loved Me was the first film I saw without my parents. I saw it with friends. It was alone. So that for me is it's my favorite film of all time. It, it made me disappear into the cinema. Is there a Bond film for you that of all of them, Changed, changed the way you live, changed the way you look at the world? Well, that was the one, the first one I worked on. I worked um, in the publicity department captioning stills. So I felt very grown up um, on that one. So I would say that one. And Michael, coincidentally, that was the first one you produced, right? Yeah, I, I think the thing about it is that the first one you see is really a life changer because these films were a new genre. The, the people, uh, you know, it took them a little while to realize it, but certainly it was a new genre. So certainly the first one you see has got to be uh, the one that uh, changes your view of uh, cinema. Mm. For you, Don? Um, the one I really went crazy for was From Russia With Love. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was just an amazing film. And I also see a lot of myself in Sean Connery. <laughs> A little joke. We do, we do too, Don. Oh, I thought so. Okay. No, it was just an amazing Robert Shaw. The, the whole thing, it was so tense. It was great. It's still my favorite. One of the toughest fights in film, cinema. Uh, yes. Point. Yes. And Lotta Lenya with her knuckle duster and her, and her, oh, little, yeah. and her little yeah. boots. I always think, Bar whenever I see Barbara, I wonder what might be in the tip of those he uh, tip of her shoes. Like, I never quite <laughs> <laughs> I wear flats these days, I have to say. <laughs> One of my favourite things in all cinema, the favourite things I like to see on the screen is Bond will return. Mm -hmm. uh, will I be seeing that at the end of No Time to Die, Michael? Yep, 
You'll have to wait and see, Jason. <laughs> have to buy your ticket. I, I will certainly buy tickets for all the family. <laughs> Listen, that's my favourite Bond one-liner is Bond will return. Michael, do you have a favourite one-liner of all of those script right? You've written some scripts yourself. You can have one of your own. No, I'm, um, I don't have any offhand. I think uh, <laughs> we're, we're um, sort of, um, I guess the one-liners have uh, um, gone from a sort of a gag type of thing. <laughs> Uh, to sort of a cynical lines, and now they're kind of disappearing altogether. So uh, yeah, it's a different, a different era, I'm afraid. I suppose the most fa- the most popular one is uh, no, I expect you to die, Mister Bond. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's it. Yeah, well, there's elementary al- as well, which is one of my favorites yeah, in, right. in Diamonds Are Forever, where he puts the diamond. Roger Moore was always good with them. I liked it when Judy Dench said, "You're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War." Yeah, well, <laughs> that was women, fun. women all clap at that one. <laughs> and you've got Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, writing some of this this one as well. I'm waiting to see if I can spot some of her uh, one-liners. Uh, Don Black, uh, Michael G. Wilson, Barbara Broccoli. It's absolutely thrilling to have you uh with, with the with the film i know you, you you're doing like a world tour with this you must be like rock stars or led zeppelin <laughs> touring away um, what 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 for you finally would be the success of this bond i know box office is blockbuster but how, how do you measure the success of a bond when it comes out well i think that we have the measurement that that cubby taught us i mean cubby used to when the pictures opened, he would sneak into the back of the cinema, wait in the dark, and he'd hear the audience reaction. And uh, if the audience liked the movie, that was his measure of success, because we make these films for the audiences. And uh, if they like the movie, that's our measure of success. Well, that was so much fun. Joyous, in fact. Thanks to Barbara Broccoli, to Michael G. Wilson. I did spot you, Michael, at the Spectre party in the film I Never Blink in Bond films. And to the wonderful Don Black. And thanks, too, to Jewish Care, the terrific charity who helped organise that interview with the help of Eon Productions and whose audience were the first to see it. Find out more about the amazing work of Jewish Care by going to www.jewishcare.org. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Seen Any Good Films Lately. If you'd like to hear my choices of favourite Bond tunes, you can catch up with the Jason Solomon Show on Totally Wired Radio on their website and on mine. Let's just say I've been uh, belting out Gladys Knight's Licence to Kill all week. You see, you'd forgotten how good that one is, I bet. All right, all right, all right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. We have All the Time in the World by Louis Armstrong, which features quite heavily, verbally and musically in uh, the new film No Time to Die. Skyfall, Adele, and Nobody Does It Better, Carly Simon. You know I'm a sucker for the spy who loved me. What can I say? Go and see No Time to Die. You'll enjoy and you might not get that usual Bond rush at the end of excitement because you'll actually be stunned by it. But remember where you heard it first. The first hashtag, Oscars So Bond. This is where you heard it, on Seen Any Bond Films Lately. I'll be back with another show, as Seen Any Good Films Lately, with London Film Festival director Trisha Tuttle revealing her film loves ahead of her festival opening next week on October the 6th here in London. Until then, I expect you to see No Time to Die. (laughs) 